Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. I've been married 12 years, and for our honeymoon, my wife and I, at 20 years old, by the way, we were 20 when we got married, we went to Disney World. We, we flew from Bradford or Bradley International Airport in, in Connecticut. We live in Holyoke, so we're about a 30-minute drive. Flew to Florida, and we had never been on you know, vacation like that. Obviously, together, we're new, newlyweds, we're excited, and, and I couldn't even get a, an actual rental car because I was only 20. I had to go through this like kind of like shady, you know, car rental agency in Orlando. It was like out of a hotel room, like one of those outdoor hotels. And like I knock and there's a sign on the outside of this like shady motel room. It's like such and such car rentals. I'm like, this is our place. You know, this is where we're going. And, and I had to, you know, sign these papers. It was so much more expensive because I apparently I was high risk because I was only 20. And we went to Disney and we had a good time. We knew someone there and they helped us get some tickets. And Disney's changed a lot in 12 years. I know that. Uh, but they had they have water parks on there, and I've never been to a water park like this. But they have one called Blizzard Beach Water Park right there on Disney property, and it's it's supposed to be like a fake ski resort that suddenly had no, I'm sorry, like a a a water park that had a crazy snowstorm. It's all imagination stuff, and so the whole place is decorated like a ski resort in Orlando, and it's like 98,000 degrees. But there's like sli- ski slopes and water slides that look like ski slopes. Really fun thing. And what they had something I'd never seen before till I till I got there, was a wave pool. Like, I've been to the ocean, I've been to, out, to, out to the National Seashore and seen the actual waves, but this was like a, a wave pool here at the Disney Park. And I thought it was awesome, I thought it was cool, and, and uh, you know, they, they just can create these gigantic waves, and, and again, I'd never been in a park, I was like pretending I was like on the Titanic and like sinking, like, help me, and at one point the lifeguard was like, are you okay, sir? I'm like, I'm sorry, I was just kidding around, sorry, you know. And um, I probably looked like I was 14 then, and uh, so they're just like thinking some drowning teenager. But either way, that was amazing. At the Cape Cod Water Park, I brought my kids right around, right around the corner to the Cape Cod uh, Water Park there. And uh, that wave pool is not as big, but it's still pretty awesome. And one thing that's interesting about that wave pool that I don't remember about the Disney one was every maybe 15 minutes, and it works there, they, they stop it. Like they take a break. So all the waves completely stop. And this big wave pool is just completely still. You know, there's just people kind of standing around. Waiting, you know, waiting. I think it's like a five-minute break they take. There's just no waves at all. And then kind of out of the blue, there's still like 100 people out there. There'll be this loud, like, eh, like this loud noise, like, eh, and everybody knows, like, okay, here come the waves, and everybody cheers. Yeah, everybody cheers, and then the waves start coming, coming back. So it goes from flat water to suddenly all these waves. And it's amazing to think like that wave pool that is still and suddenly the waves can just come out of nowhere. How quickly things can go from peaceful, predictable, calm and serene in our life to suddenly everything seems like it's coming undone. Just like that wave pool. Now they all cheered when the waves came. Us, not so much. When our lives are calm and predictable and we kind of earn a rhythm and then suddenly, mm, Something comes in. We've all felt that. I think especially these last few years, church. 
2020, 2021. These, these last few years, it seems like things have come undone. And we pro probably even more than we would allow ourselves, give, give ourselves permission to believe that it's really affected us and affected in the way we live our lives. And things just can go really crazy. We've all felt like everything is going along smoothly and pretty well. And suddenly, boom, the winds and the wave come into our lives and a storm enters our door. We're going to see a storm today in today's passage. The truth is, I don't know what your storm is. Now, again, I can say this, I think, for those, uh, I know some people in our church that are in the room today, I know what storm you're facing because I'm walking through it with you. I, I know the troubles that you face, but for a good majority of the people in here, I don't know the storm you're facing. We have our messages online uh, on Spotify and iTunes, and uh, no doubt someone will listen to this message this week or down the road, people that couldn't make it today. And, and those who are listening online right now, uh, um, you know, I don't know what storm they're facing. Some are going through a storm right now. Some of you maybe have just come out of a storm. And some are about to go through one, you don't even realize it yet. And the questions for today, uh, and when it comes to storms and trials and troubles in life, is how, how, do we, how do we rest in the middle of storms? I mean, how do, we, how do we navigate through these storms? Is it even possible to have joy and peace in the middle of storms? And, and I want to give you this, this thought today, this phrase, and, and, and I want you to hold on to it tight. This is kind of the whole uh, root of the message, and it's this phrase right here. It's, Jesus is Lord of the storm, and he's doing something marvelous in the middle of my storm. Now, can I, can I have you do something? Can I have you, if you can, can you read this aloud with me? Because I want you to really have it sink in. And it's going to be hard for me to read this because it's hard for you to believe it. Can you say it with me together? Ready, begin. Jesus is Lord of the storm, and he's doing something marvelous in the middle of my storm. We're in John chapter 6. And two weeks ago when we were in the beginning of John 6, we saw Jesus feeding the 5,000. He materialized uh, this food for thousands and thousands of people from a little boy's lunch. It's a wonderful story of the provision of God. Well, again, the people in the Bible times at this time, they were looking for a, a political Messiah. They were looking for someone to rescue them from Roman rule and the oppression that they were facing there in Israel. And when Jesus, you know, came and, and created this bread and fish and did this awesome miracle, they, they didn't see him like, oh, this is the guy that was promised to us, you know, to save us from our sins. They said, this guy can make food out of nothing we want this guy to be president and we see in john chapter 6 and verse 15 this was the end of last two weeks ago message when jesus therefore um perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king he departed again into a mountain himself alone they wanted to make him king they wanted to make him president like listen everything back in those bible times was about growing and feeding and growing and feeding and working so if someone could just make food out of nothing like, this is the guy. Like, we want this guy to be in charge. And Jesus knew that it wasn't his time. But we see in that scripture, what did he do? He, he left, he departed to a mountain himself alone. I want to give you the first kind of point this morning on, on this passage about when it comes to storms. And, and the, I'm going to go through these first two very quickly. But the first thing is this. Spiritual solitude gives us clarity and perspective. This is that pre-storm discipline. 
before you're in the storm, this discipline of our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ uh, that we're culti- we should be cultivating and growing in our lives, our time with him in his word, in prayer. We can see how Jesus practiced solitude, time alone with his heavenly father in his earthly life. We see it all through the gospels, all through the life of Christ, him going apart, him going away, him going to a place alone and praying and meeting and talking to his father. Last week we reviewed, and again I mentioned the last sermon, and, and what Jesus needed to do in this, in this passage in verse 15 was he needed to get away. Okay, before the feeding of the 5,000, he was already trying to get away. He had just lost a cousin. John the Baptist had been killed, and he was heartbroken, and he was devastated, and he wanted some time alone, but the people just wouldn't leave him alone. They followed him, and then he ended up feeding him and teaching them all day long and feeding them with this awesome miracle. But now he's like, I need to, to rest and replenish, and they're trying to take him and make him a king, the scripture said. He wanted to make him a king. And he, he was, said, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Now, I think someone like me, if people are trying to make me the leader, I'm like, sure, I'll be the leader. I kind of, that makes me feel kind of good. Jesus is so humble. He's like, no, 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 it's not my time yet. That's not the kind of king I'm supposed to be. This political king that just, you know, is just kind of fulfills your immediate needs. That's not the kind of king Jesus had come to be. They wanted to force him into kingship. And Jesus departing and going into a mountain alone is, is him saying, you know, nobody controls me. I control everything. He had just created this food out of nothing, materialized it. Listen, we we can't reduce Jesus to a power that we manipulate for our short-term and short-sighted ends. Think about that, church. We do that so often. We want him to just kind of fulfill that immediate need we have. I've been there. We can't reduce him to this just little power, this little genie in a bottle that we just go to once in a while because we have something we really want. No, this, was, this was Jesus' regular practice to get alone to find solitude with his heavenly Father. He goes, he goes to God to clear his head. He, he needs to commune with God. Church, this is, this is what you need. This is what I need. Not just in our urgent crises, not just in our, in our difficult trials that we have, and then we go to God. No, no, no. In our every day, every week of our lives, we need time with God alone. I'm telling you, we need it. There's nothing that can suffice it. There's nothing that can replace that. All through the life of Christ, we see Jesus meeting with his Father. Psalm uh, uh, 55 and verse 17 says this, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Church, if you want to navigate this year, 2022, the storms in your life that you're facing, if you want to navigate through these storms, you need to practice solitude with God. You need to walk with him. You must build at all costs. Uh, 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 listen, more valuable than overtime, more valuable than overworking yourself and overextension and all the things that run us ragged on the hamster wheel of life. More important than any of those things that you can think of to try to make your life a little bit better. You must build and create and fight for and protect a life schedule. Listen, a life schedule that allows for solitude with your heavenly father. If you get nothing from the message today, get that. You need time with God. I need time alone with God. Not just the the scraps, not just the the last two seconds of the day. Oh, I'm talking real life. You need to make a schedule. You need to schedule your life in a way that you can have time with God. And you've got to create it. You've got to schedule it. It's not just going to happen. Do you think the enemy 
of this world, the, the enemy, the devil wants you to have time with God, he's going to fill your schedule with things to do. He's going to fill your mind with distractions. And what do we do? We fall right for it. And we don't walk with God. You must, I'm going to read it again. You must create, fight for, and protect a life schedule that allows for solitude with your heavenly Father. Time that allows you to get clarity in his word, Okay, that, that you can read the scriptures and they can speak to your heart, prepares you for the storms that you have yet to face in your life. You need time with God, church. And it should start today, tomorrow morning. I'm going to take time. I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm going to have time of prayer because I need it. It's not because it, it's going to make God love me anymore. That's not what this is about. That's not, oh, well, I want to be a good Christian. It's, no, it's about you need it. You need the word of God. You need time in prayer. I need time in the word of God. I need time in prayer alone with God. And this is what Jesus practiced. And it should be our practice. Solitude with God brings clarity. But what else? The second observation we see from this passage that we're going to read is that stormy seasons produce fear and perplexity. Stay with me, church, please. Stormy seasons produce fear and perplexity. Our human response... To storms in life is, is nat natural, it's fear. We get scared, we get freaked out, we get perplexed. Verse 16 through 18 we see in the passage, John 6, verse 16, after Jesus went to a mountain himself alone, verse 16, when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum and it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. Jesus was not on the boat with them. And entered into, a, I'm sorry, verse 18. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So the disciples are on the boat in this brand new storm that came out of nowhere. And Jesus is on the mountain with his heavenly father. Now oftentimes, church, we don't associate following Jesus with storms. You know, it's almost like, well, I've got Jesus now, so he's going to take care of all my storms. Like, I'm a Christian, and I believe in Christ, and, and, and so he's going to, you know, calm all my storms, and I'm not going to deal with them. But you've got to realize that in the other gospel accounts of this, Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke, and the other times in the gospels that they give this same story, Jesus, it says, constrained them to get to the boat. It doesn't say it in John's account, but in Matthew, the, the book of Matthew, in the same story, it says that Jesus told them to get on the boat and sail to the other side. You constrain them. He, he knows the storm is coming. He, he, he sends his disciples into the storm. And, and what do we do in storms? We say, God, you know, get me out of this storm. I, I say, you know, take me out of this. What did I do to deserve this storm? And, and I've had those thoughts even in the last month of just, God, what are you doing? Like, why, 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 why is this happening? Why aren't you stopping this? Get me out of this. Make this right. Take this storm away. Calm this storm in my life. And the reality is, it's not that this just kind of surprised anybody. No, Jesus sent me into this storm. Jesus sent you into your storm. In the middle of the storm, I want to complain. I want to gripe. I want to be upset. I want to stress. It's, it's, it's just, man, this is hard. And Jesus says, Donald, I, I sent you into this storm. I sent you into this storm. It surprises us, but it does not surprise him. And church, if you can, if you can grasp onto that reality, if you can know in your heart that, that, that your Savior sent you into this storm that you're facing, 
Okay, if you can know that truth that he is the one that sent you into it, that changes the whole narrative. Okay, okay, uh, uh, hope replaces fear. It gives promise knowing that truth that it's Christ who, who sent me into this storm. It gives hope. It gives strength. It, it gives an assignment. It's no longer uh, this surprise trial. No, it's an assignment. What is God trying to do in my life through this storm? Can I ask you a question? Does, does God ever interrupt your plans? How many say, Donald, there's been a time in my life when God has interrupted my plans. Can we raise our hands up? Mine is up. I could put two hands up. Listen, God, has God ever interrupted your plans? Yes. We think we got it all together, don't we? Got everything in order. And then, our disruptions in life, in our plan, our disruptions are him breaking in and taking back control that, that he deserves, by the way. It's our disruptions, our storms are him breaking in and taking back control. Think about it. Here these guys are in the middle of the night, these disciples. Just saw an amazing miracle. They're, they're in the middle, it's the middle of the night, and, and they're in a small boat. It's total chaos. It's, it's dark out, total darkness. It's not like there was, you know, lighthouses back then. It's dark. It's crazy. It's rain. It's thunder. They're completely disoriented. They had, like I just said, they just left this mountain miracle, the feeding of the 5,000 and beyond. And what an awesome thing. This is great. Same chapter, same night, and now they're completely lost. Now they're in the jaws of death. In the book of Matthew, this same story, this same account, it says they were in the fourth watch of the night. The fourth watch of the night. And Jesus sent the crowd away that he had fed when even was come. So I want to just really quickly, the Hebrew clock, the Hebrew, the way they kept time back then in the Bible times was there were four watches. The first watch was 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. The second was 9 p.m. The second watch was second p, uh, 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. to midnight. The third watch was midnight to 3 a.m. And the fourth watch was 3 a.m. To 6 a.m. So, so, so try to grasp some of this extra facts and information about this story here. It's dark, okay? It's a storm. They're rowing frantically like, oh, we got to get, you know. They started around 7, 8 o'clock at night in that, you know, that first watch when even was come. Now it's like 4 or 5 in the morning. And they've been rowing for hours and hours and hours and hours. And, and I don't know if any of you have ever done like rowing. Isn't that like a sport? Like, I've never done it. I've rowed in, like, a kayak. And, like, if I had to row, I could probably row, like, 25 minutes or so straight. Like, I'd probably, then I'd probably be done. These guys are rowing for hours and hours, eight hours, around eight hours of just despair, of fear, of darkness. In verse 19, we see it says, so when they had rowed about five and 20 or 30 furlongs. So, so here they are, 20 or 5, 30 furlongs. What that is, it's like an eighth of a mile, a furlong. It's like about four miles. So think about this. You can walk three miles in an, in an hour or so, slowly. Like, so these guys, eight hours, uh, four miles, it's not that much. That's like, what, a half mile every, every half hour or so, a mile every two hours or whatever? That's not that much. These guys are rowing frantically, working really hard to get nowhere. To get nowhere. And there's fear and there's perplexity. And Jesus sent them into it the whole time. Think about that. They're working so hard to get nowhere. They've only gone four miles in eight hours in darkness, in storms, in thunder, in lightning, in wind. 
In verse 19, the rest of the verse, what does it say? Yes, they rode 5, 20, or 30 furlongs. They see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship. And they were afraid. Now, in the other gospel accounts, it shows that uh, they thought it was like an evil spirit. They didn't know it was Jesus. So that's why they were afraid. But verse 19, this, this word walking, walking, if you look at the, the Greek definition of it, because the New Testament was written in the Greek language, but if you look at what that kind of connotates, that word walking, it's, it implies strolling. Like a Sunday afternoon stroll. Okay, so the disciples are freaking out, rowing, stressed, scared, fearing for their lives. And Jesus is doing what you and I do on a beach on a cool evening. Just kind of just walking, enjoying the sights, enjoying the... I mean, have you ever walked on one of the... You have to if you live on the... If you're on vacation this week or if you live on... Man, you just walk the coast and you just look at the waves and you look at the sand and you just, you know, swat away the seagulls that are trying to get to your, you know, chicken nuggets or whatever. And you just, you just had a Sunday afternoon stroll. Listen, he didn't calm the storm yet. He wasn't walking on the calm waters to their boat. He has not yet rescued them or removed them from it. No, no, no. What he's done is he's entered into the storm. And that's the next observation, church, that Jesus doesn't just send us the storm. He enters the storm with us. Hold on to that, church. Hear that truth this morning. He didn't just send to the storm. He enters it with you. Like I said, two other accounts, Matthew and Mark, the disciples think that it's an evil spirit there, some demon of death or whatever. And they're there, and, and it's almost like, could this get any worse? Like, we're already about to die, and now there's this demon out here. What's going on? They're stressing out. But in verse number 20 of the passage, we see that it says, Jesus says to them in verse 20, he saith unto them, it is I. Don't be afraid. Be not afraid. And, and again, in, in Matthew and Mark, Another book of the Bible, the other story. He, he says, uh, they have an account of him saying, uh, uh, be of good cheer to them. Just think of this. Come on. Think of this, church. They're in a storm. They're, they're, on, they're on at death's door, freaking out, stressed, rowing, trying to figure out where they even are in this darkness. And Jesus says, hey, guys, cheer up. <laughs> cheer up. It's me. Now, listen, he's in a totally different headspace than these guys, isn't he? The storm is no threat to him. For him, it's no biggie. It's no big deal. For them, it's life or death. And he says this phrase to them kind of seems a little irrational in a way. And if you said this same phrase to someone in your life that was going through a difficult and dark trial and storm, it would almost seem rude and inconsiderate. You know, your friends going through a life, like, hey, cheer up, man. Cheer up. It's almost like you're belittling their storm, it would seem. But this is Jesus we're talking about, the, the author of the storm. And the Savior of the universe comes to you, okay, in your storm. He comes to you and he says, hey, it's, it's me. It's me. Cheer up. It's all right. You don't have to be afraid of the storm. I can't imagine any storm in our lives too big being too big or too powerful or having, having any power over me, once Jesus whispers those words, it's me. Cheer up. He's demonstrating to these disciples 
on this dark and stormy night who he is. You can have cheer. And in our storm, we, we need to make an intentional choice, church. In our storms, in our trials, we have to be intentional and make choices. When Jesus speaks to me and says, hey, it's me, am I going to go with fear and panic or cheer? In my storm, when Jesus speaks, because he's speaking to you this morning, hey, saying, it's me, it's all right, I know it's dark, but I'm here, cheer up. We have a choice to make. It's either fear or cheer. <laughs> fear or cheer. Listen, our natural response is to row harder. I've got to figure this problem out. I've got to stop this storm. I've got to get to shore. I've got to get there, so I better row harder. And even as Christians, we do the same thing. Even as Christians, it's like, hey, Jesus, you're here. Hey, hop in. Help us row. we got to get to the shore. You know, we got to help us bail water. We need to get up. We know the hands we can get. And we kind of attach Jesus to our solutions, don't we? We just attach spirituality to what we've already decided is the fix for our problem. Like he's the missing ingredient to our plan. We do that as Christians. I've done that so often in my life. But Jesus comes into the storm and he blows up the plan. Listen, you have to make the decision to be cheerful. What is, what is massively grave and serious and sobering to us, he makes light very quickly. He's in that storm and says, hey, cheer up, guys, it's me. Taking a Sunday stroll through the storm. In another, in, in the book of Matthew, same story, it's mentioned that Peter says to Jesus from the boat, hey, Lord, and I'll, I'll put it right here, Matthew 14. 27 to 29, same story, on the boat, in the storm, but straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was, on, was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter says, Hey, I want to come out there with you on the waters. If that's you, I want to come out there with you. And Jesus says, Come, come on. So Jesus not only authored the storm, he not only sent me into the storm, sent you into your storm, he not only comes to you in your storm and tells you to cheer up in the storm, but before he calms that storm, he says, come out here with me into the storm. And that next observation is Jesus doesn't just enter the storm with us, but he invites us into it. Ooh. I don't know if I like this one. Because what he's calling me to do is let go of my little boat <laughs> where it feels safe and get out into the storm to immerse myself <laughs> in the storm. To, to embrace, woo, embrace the storm. See, we like to hold on to our solutions. We like to hold on to our sinking securities. Whatever little bit of safety that we can come up with, that's what we grasp onto. And Jesus' invitation to Peter to come is, is, is this radical abandon, really. It's this intense trust. <laughs> Maybe you're like, hey, all this has been a nice message, but <laughs> this last one is a little too crazy for me, man. I know. See, this story can seem like 
And maybe even as a young kid, I heard it taught this way. Maybe I even taught this way, that Jesus comes and fixes the storm. He came and calmed the storm. But this is Jesus authoring the storm. The storm is completely in his command. See, Jesus isn't coming to fix a problem. No, he's, he's orchestrating an event in this passage. There's purpose in all this. This isn't, the storm came, I better go save the disciples. No, no, that's not what this is about. And, and, and for you, listen, he's not coming in to, to fix your problem. No, he is orchestrating an event in your life to teach you, to draw you close to himself. He's saying, join me in this storm. Come on out onto the water. Man, dance on the waves with me. Come on out here. I know it's dark. I know it's scary, but it's me. You can have hope. You can have cheer because I'm in the storm and I'm in control of the storm. That's the God that we have. That's the God of the storm. In verse 21, it says, Then they willingly received him into the ship. This is back to the book of John. They see Jesus. They recognize it's him. They bring him in the ship. And immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Isn't that amazing? They've been rowing for eight hours. Getting nowhere. The second Jesus steps into the boat, they're there at shore. Listen, we want Jesus to work with us, don't we? Like I said, row with us. Come on, help us out. Row with us. Build some water. Hey, we did four miles in eight hours, and now with you, we can, we can do five. <laughs> we think he's just on the missing ingredient. Jesus says, I don't need your rowing. I, I, don't, I don't need your strength. I don't need your ability. I can, I can think you to a destination. Jesus trumps all of my solutions. Jesus trumps all of your little bits of safety that you hold on to. Following Jesus doesn't mean no storms. Wouldn't that be nice? Following Jesus is following Jesus in two storms. No one said he had to like the storm. Listen, I like sitting on the porch, watching the rain pour down from underneath that porch, hearing the thunder. And I love a good thunderstorm. Now, if I was camping... Not in an RV or a camper, but in like a tent. Or if I was really crazy, just all natural and just in a sleeping bag, I would not like a thunderstorm. I don't like getting stuck out in the rain. It's wet. It's annoying. I got to change. If I got kids, they're not happy. Listen, in Orlando, if you've ever been to Orlando, the storms, the, the rain can come out of nowhere. It can be nice and sunny out, and then it's coming down, and you're trying to find somewhere to stand. Happened to me and Marissa on our anniversary trip in Epcot. And we're out there getting ready to watch the fireworks and suddenly it started dumping buckets of water so fast. And we just like, man, we ran. We stood under one of the places in the Japan Pavilion. <laughs> one of the places there. Because it just came out of nowhere. No one said you had to like the storm, but I'm asking you to embrace it. To trust God in it. To meet Him there. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal savior. Maybe someone's listening to the message online today and you don't know Jesus Christ. The, the, the book of Matthew, when Peter goes onto the water, it, there's a part as well, and you probably know it if you've heard the story before, that he begins to look around at the waves and winds and begins to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. And that's a prayer that Jesus always answers. Listen, your greatest storm it's not money problems. It's not 
health problems or a car accident or a loss of a loved one. And by the way, those are big storms. I'm not saying those aren't storms at all. But your biggest storm, your greatest threat is alienation from God, is sin, is condemnation. And Jesus came to you and me in that storm of sin, lost. He came in that storm and he bottled up that storm and he went to the cross where God poured it all out on him, all the condemnation, all the judgment, all the wrath that we deserve, that the world deserved for our sin, poured it all out on Jesus Christ on the cross. Everything I deserve, God put on Jesus. Jesus went through my greatest storm so that he could save me from it, so that he could save you from it. Jesus on the cross bears your sin so he can look at you and me forgiven. I don't have to spend a moment in hell because Christ paid the price for me. The moment that you say, Jesus, save me, the moment that you call out to him, whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. The moment you say, Jesus, save me, the moment you put your faith in him, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. We have a, Jesus is safe. There's safety in Christ. In the storms of our life, believer. He is safe. Only He is safe. And that's why we call Him Savior. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, no one's looking around. Maybe this morning, maybe this morning, church, you're facing a storm. You're facing a heartache. You're facing difficulty. You're in the middle of it, and honestly, you're already tired of it. You're already done with it. Can I, can I tell you? Can I remind you? Jesus sent that your way. See, why would he do that? He knows best. He loves you. He's not trying to destroy you. He's trying to teach you. He's trying to grow you. There is purpose in the storm. He sent it your way, but he doesn't leave you alone out there. No, he comes to you in the storm. And not only does he author the storm and come to you, but he says, hey, it's me. I'm here. Cheer up. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Can I tell you this morning from the truth of the word of God that it's going to be okay? Because he's here. He's with you in the storm. And not only is he with you in the storm and telling you, hey, I'm here, but then he says, come on out with me. Come on into the storm. Embrace it. Man, don't try to ignore it. You can't ignore reality. Embrace that storm. He wants to work miracles in your life. Will you let him? He is safe. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That greatest storm of sin, of alienation from God. You've never... Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can do that today. You can call on the name of the Lord and say, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Son of God, who is God. I believe that you died on a cross for the sins of the world, for my sin. I believe that three days later you rose again victoriously by the power of the resurrection, by the power of God, because that's who you are. I believe that. I believe on you for salvation. I trust you for salvation. You can place your faith in him today and be saved. The Spirit of God, 
comes into your heart. You don't have to spend a moment in a place called hell. And when you die, you'll spend forever with, with God in heaven. You can do that today. Would you place your faith in Jesus Christ? Maybe you say, you know, I don't really understand all this, but I'd like to talk more about, about that, about salvation, about being saved. If that's you, so you know, I, I want to I know a little bit more about that. I want to know a little bit more about salvation. Our heads are by, no one's looking around. Would you just slip your hand up so I can see that? Anybody at all? Say, I'd like to hear more about salvation. Anyone at all? I'd be glad to talk to you after service quickly. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? So believer today, you're in a storm. How many of you say this? If you're, you're saved today, but you say, you know what? I'm going through a storm right now. There's some storms in my life. I'm facing some hard storms. There's some challenging, fearful circumstances in my life, and I'm in a storm. Would you slip your hand up so I can see it? Anybody at all? Thank you. Thank you. I knew it would be most of our hands. Mine's up too. He's with you, and he's in control. Let that speak hope to your life this morning. God, you're good. You're faithful. God, I ask you to help us to trust you in the storms. You're an amazing father. Thank you for taking care of me. Help me to leave all my fear and anxiety, Lord in the boat and come out into that storm with you, Lord, and embrace it. Teach me what you want to teach me in this storm, in the storms of my life. And help us all to do the same. We love you so much. You're good and faithful. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.